gonna have to learn I'm gonna copy all the things All the things I have to copy I'll listen to the messages I have to listen to I'm gonna do all the things
Who rose up in rebellion 
of disloyalty they must be crushed hallelujah all disloyal elements all unfaithful people all traitors all church destroyers spirits that lead them and guide them are cursed in Jesus name they must be fought and they must be destroyed hallelujah let us pray father in heaven we thank you for your beautiful presence and the blessed opportunity given to us to share fellowship to hear your word to be blessed by the preaching and the teaching of your word let your kingdom come and let your will be done amongst us satan you are defeated satan you are crushed in the mighty name of Jesus, Father, thank you for the power of your grace and the power of the anointing, Lord, as we hear your word and receive your word, Lord. May we be blessed by this word. Thank you, Father, once again for the beautiful opportunity to hear your word and to share your word. In Christ Jesus' name I pray with thanksgiving and the saints of God shouted, Amen. God bless you. Take your seats. We are together again with one accord. Praising the Lord. Hallelujah. So, Psalm 63, Psalm 63, and uh, verse 8 following heart. The work of the ministry requires an attitude of being a hard follower. You all welcome this morning. You all welcome this morning. Welcome back. And those, of, those who are here for today, also you are welcome. Good to see all of you. And um, I believe that we'll be blessed. Um, it's a conference for pastors and uh, church workers so it's um, it's a conference hallelujah 
Amen. So nothing to expect than the work of the ministry. That's all that there is to I, 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 um, uh, what, expect from morning till evening. It's just about the work of the ministry. Hallelujah. Amen. So don't expect points on anything else. You may get, um, uh, what do you call it? Tidbits, isn't it? On other issues. Uh, as and when, but otherwise, the mainstay and the main drive and the main purpose and aim of this conference is the work of the ministry. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 10. He that descended the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. Verse 12. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So apostles, prophets, evangelists, Pastors and teachers exist for one purpose. That is, for helping the saints who are the Christians to mature. Perfecting of the saints to mature, to grow up for the work of the ministry. So they'll do the work of the ministry. When they are doing the work of the ministry, what are they accomplishing? They are accomplishing the building of the church. That is, edifying. Edifying means to build. To build. So the building of the body of Christ and the body of Christ is the church. Is it, is it easy and simple? Yes, so, so this is why we are here. It's for the work of the ministry, uh, which is the duty of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Anytime you see a pastor behind the pulpit, he must have this aim that we are helping the saints to mature for the work of the ministry. For the work of the ministry. For the work of the ministry, perfecting the saints for the work of the ministry, and then for the building of the church. Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build my church. What a privilege it is to be invited to be part of the work that Jesus is doing, building his church. He said, I will build my church. With or without you, he will build it anyway. If like backslide, he will still, he will still build it. Yes. He said a long time ago that if you don't praise me, so I'll make these stones praise me. You can't stop the work of God from advancing. You can't stop it. Your backslidings, your attitude, your theories, your ideologies, your philosophies, your new revelations, your interpretations of things cannot, it won't stop God from doing what he intends to do. So rather, it is our duty to really discover find and believe what God is doing and join him and stay with him because I'm building my church. I am building my church. I am building. An entire nation can say that we don't believe in God anymore. He'll still build his church. He'll find stones. He'll find stones and prove to you that stones, I can make stones worship me. Hey! So, uh, this, uh, what do you call this, this conference? Uh, catch the anointing conference. <laughs> catch the anointing conference. 
what was the name of the conference again? God's Anointed Conference. Yes. Yes. A work of the ministry conference. So, any way we turn it, any way we fry it, any way we boil it, any way we serve it, however it's presented, the aim is for the work of the ministry that will work in the ministry. Hallelujah. So, back to Psalm 63 and verse 8. It says that, my soul followeth hard after thee, thy right hand upholdeth me. There's an attitude in serving God and doing the work of the ministry. And that attitude is that follow hard. Everything you want to see, everything you want to have, everything you want to experience, anything you want to be part of in the work of the ministry, follow hard after it. Have have respect for ministry work. Have respect for it. I keep using this word since yesterday that respect, you have to respect some things because anything you respect, you develop the right, the right way of handling it. That you have the right attitude towards the thing. Because you tell yourself, it's not something you just, you just find, you know, littered across. You don't easily find an anointed person. Elijah told Elisha many years ago, many years ago, before we were born, that, look, you've asked for a half thing. Because Elisha said, I wanted double portion of the spirit that's upon you. He said, what you've asked for, it's a hard thing. It's a difficult thing. It's easy to ask for some things, but it's not easy to get it. You'll be, you'll be, you'll be asking, but how to give it, it's not as simple as, can I have it? Can I have it? Can I have it? Can I have that? Can I have this? If you, if you think it's easy, then you are, you are like a child. You are talking like a child. Because it's children that can just see their parents and say, can I have this? Can I have that? I want this. It's, it's a child. It's a child that thinks that, that I can have this, I can have that, I can just ask for this, and then it's thrown into my lap. It's a child. When you start growing up, you start, you start understanding that some of the things you've been asking for it's not, that, it's not that easy to provide. Even though you had it, but it's not easy to provide those things and to give those things, even though you got it. Even though it was given to you, but it is not as simple as, can I have, and then it's thrown at you. It takes a lot more steps and different things before it arrived in your lap. Well, you're a child. You feel it's simple. So when you, as I said, you have asked for a hard thing. What you are asking for is not that simple. It's easy to say, can I have it? It's even easy to say from Christ that I receive it. You know, believers, we say, I receive it. It's, I receive it. I receive it. I receive it. I receive it. But it's not that simple to me. I receive it. It's a, it's a, nice, it's a nice attitude, confession, declaration, expression to make, but it's not as simple as I receive it. Then it is there. Be blessed. Uh huh. You are blessed. Yes. You are actually practically blessed. Yeah. 
was talking to Bishop Adi the other day and he released the blessing and I said to him, I believe it, I receive it, and I accept it. B-R-A. I, I said, I believe it, I receive it, and I accept it. Hey, be blessed! <laughs> I said to myself, um, a, a threefold cord is not easily broken. So my receiving of the thing, I have to tie it in a triple cord. I believe, I receive, and I accept it. Hey! So, sit down. What was I talking about? Yes, it's not that simple to receive it. So you, you have to have the right attitude. That it's hard to happen. So that you can press. You can press and not say that I have tried. Other people say that I have tried. I have read. I have done this. But it's not, it's not that simple. I also don't think it's that simple. You have to be hard followers. Hard. Hard. You see, even to identify what to follow in itself is a project. Even to, ident- even to discover that, look, I need to, I need to, I need, I, this is what I need. First, this is what I need. I need anointing for church growth. Then, the next question is, where is the anointing for church growth? Okay, I have found that it is here. Now, to start that journey, that I am following this person who has the anointing for church growth. Following someone means that learning from the person, imitating the person, copying the person, hearing the words of the person, learning from the words and the teachings and the practices of the person. Acts chapter 1. Hard. 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 People don't like to say that they are copying some from somewhere. They, they, they like to say that they are original. Stop it. Stop lying. That's all I have to say. Stop lying. Yeah, just, just stop it. Just stop it and say the truth. So you'll be free and copy well and learn well. You see, uh, 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 the scripture says the former treatise, uh, have I made all Theophilus? Of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. So we learn things that people do and then we learn things that they teach. Because not everybody who says the things or teaches, even teaches the things they do. But a hard follower is able to see these two things. That Look at what he's doing. So you add what he's doing to what he's teaching. That means that your eyes must be glued you must be fixated on the anointed or where the anointing is or where that grace of the thing that you are looking for exists. Your eyes has to be fixed to see the things that are being done and the things that are being taught. You may not always have the privilege to see things that are being done, but if you want to see, you can see. What is done? How is it done? 
Why is it done? Where is it done? And then the teachings, the teachings, you must be drinkers, drinkers and eaters and partakers of teachings if you are interested and if you are serious and if you know what you want, if you know what you want. Satisfaction comes. Satisfaction. When someone is full. You see, when you are full, you stop eating, isn't it? When you are full. So, you, you have to be careful about how hungry you are. Because what satisfies people differs. There are different things and different levels of satisfaction. Somebody will have a bowl of, a bowl of soup and they are full. When I sit on the train, I sit on the train and I see people having MS sandwich. Have you see one pack like that? MS sandwich. Having MS sandwich and a drink. I'll be sitting on the train and I'll be saying, hey, so this is all you're eating for the day. <laughs> hey. And you'll say, hey. 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 I say, wow. I wish I had your life. I'm looking at them, you take a pack of MS sandwich, peel it open. When you're pulling out a sandwich, it's a little difficult to get it right. Yes. And then pull it out. And then open usually water or a cup of tea. And then open it. Sip, bite the sandwich. I'll be there. You say, hey. So is this all? Sometimes I want to ask, so is, is this it? Because I'll be thinking. My aim and my vision. A bowl of carbohydrates. <laughs> A bowl of carbohydrates. And meat. <laughs> so you see, every, everybody's, everybody's appetite is different. And everybody's stomach is trained differently. I would be looking and say, hey, growing up, if this is what my father, my mother had brought me up on, there will be an uprising in the house. (laughs) We'll be asking her, mommy, (laughs) we haven't eaten. slices of bread that has been cut diagonally had some good feelings and then folded together and put in the thing so I asked myself hey I mean I should eat two slices of bread and go to bed (laughs) well the reality is what I'm explaining to you is that there are people who have 
equally the same type of appetite in ministry. Yes. I was talking to someone, and I said to the person, I said to the person, your pastors don't have spiritual ambition. They are, spirit, they are spiritually, they are not ambitious. They are not hungry spiritually. They are not. They are not. I said, look, I said, look at this one who is just about 50 years old. He has about 20 more years to live. 20 more years to live. That's 20 more years in ministry. By the grace of God, if he lives up to 70, he's only 50. He has 20 more years. I said, what's he going to do with 20 more years? What's he going to do with the remaining 20 years? Is very long. But I said, look at, look at them. They are retired. They are tired. So I said, what are they going to do for the remaining 20 years? What are they going to do? Their appetite, their appetite, their appetite. It's like having spiritual, spiritual status. It's like having spiritual spring rolls as your lunch. A portion that is three. Three spring rolls on a saucer and a glass of Coca-Cola and say, wow, I'm really full. Do they look healthy? Slim and trim. Flat tummies like lizards. I said, they're spiritual, they're not ambitious. They're not interested, they're not hungry. You have to develop spiritual pot bellies. The ones that, the ones that when you slap, it jiggles. That's a jiggle. <laughs> yeah, that's a jiggle. <laughs> Somebody had a nickname for uh, the husband. What was it? What? Jiggly. Yeah, jiggly. Yes, jiggly. Because the husband had a big stomach. They call it jiggly. I think when she slaps, I think they just. that stomach that stomach that stomach doesn't eat doesn't eat leaves and spring rolls for the day it has it has it actually has no respect for health things no no he has no, no regard for dieting and low cholesterol. He has no respect for diabetes. No, 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 no. It eats. He's not afraid. He eats. So you see, when you see a spiritually unambitious person, you will see that he, is, he has no interest in certain things. He's easily satisfied. He, does, he doesn't even realize that he's only 45. He's only 45 and he's resigned. He's not even aware that he's, at 45, he's become a, a manager of few sheep. And, he, and he's, he's, he's prepared, he's prepared to manage that thing till kingdom come. He's spiritually unambitious. But the same person is ambitious about other things. I knew a man once at 38 years old. He said he was going to study pharmacy, M farm. 
That means the three-year plus masters. So he's coming out with his masters at 38 years. 38 plus four is what? 42. So he did it. He did it. He has his M farm today. He, he finished at 42 years. Then I remember as life was moving on, he asked a question one day to somebody. I'm telling you a story of a real human being. One day he asked a question to somebody that how do you get your church to grow? <laughs> I needed a chair to sit down that day. I need, I need, no, 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 sit. I, I, I said, wow, at 38 years, 38 38 years, that, mean, that, that means that you, ha- you finish having your children. God willing. <laughs> you, you are quite advanced in life. You can decide with ambition. Something that 18 year olds are struggling with. 18 year olds. It's 18 year olds who started that course. 18 year olds. I mean people that you are 20 years older than. You have ambition. Passion, strength, zeal. You know the ins and outs of how to survive and get it done. I clap for you. Please clap for that dear brother. Clap for him. I clap for you. I appreciate you. I really respect you. But what I'm saying, what I will say to such a person is that the side of your life is showing how unambitious you are in the other side. Because who did you ask? Who did you ask, how do you apply at 38 to go to uni? After you finish finish his first degree many years ago, many years, 20 years ago, he's finished first degree. They said, no, what I have, I don't like it. I want another one. I want another one. I want the ones that, I want the one that even the 18 year olds don't easily get. They are struggling, they are trembling. Trembling to get a B in chemistry. At 38, I'll get it and I'll do it. Yes. Yes. But when it gets to the things of God, it's like, hey, I don't know what to do. Um, I'm not not sure. I don't don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I'm not sure. Can can you show me? Uh, Really? I've tried though. These things things I've done all before, but... um, it's not work. Is there any other thing that I should do? Is there, is there anything that I should do? First Corinthians 10, 20. But I say that the things with the Gentiles sacrifice, everybody has a sacrifice. Everybody has a sacrifice. You think you're the only one who is sacrificed? You think, you think people think it's only Christians that have taken up their cross. Everybody has taken up a cross. Everybody is sacrificed. Everybody has a sacrifice that they make. Make no mistake about it. Make no mistake about it. Every human being on the face of this earth has a sacrifice. Everybody has chosen what they will sacrifice for and what they will never sacrifice for. The price is always the same. The price for everything. The price of success, price of greatness, 
Price of becoming anointed, price of doing well, price of having a good marriage, having a good home, having a good... The price is the same and the word for the price is sacrifice. Here, it says, the things that the Gentiles... You know who the Gentiles are? Things with the Gentiles sacrifice. They sacrifice to devils and not to God. You're either sacrificing to God or sacrificing to devils. Everybody is sacrificing. Everybody is sacrificing. Don't let anybody tell you that. Look, we have not to sacrifice. No, everybody is making a sacrifice for something. Depending on what they believe in. What they, be, what they believe in. When people don't believe in something, then they give you cock and boo stories. Cock and boo. You know cock and boo stories? Yes. It's from an old story that there were two pubs in the Lancashire area many years ago. One was called the cock, the other one was called the boo. So when drivers, traveling, these traveling drivers, truck drivers, are passing by, they stop. This one will stop in this pub, the cock pub. And they come up with fantastic stories that they saw on the way, maybe ghosts or something. So then others will stop at the bull. Also have that. So it became a competition between the cock pub and the bull pub. Who has the weirdest and the craziest stories? Okay. Yes. Yes, it became a competition between the two. That is where the expression came from, the cock and the bull story. They come up with cock and bull stories. Cock and bull. Cock and bull. <laughs> yes. <laughs> People don't want to sacrifice to God. Then they come up with cock and boo stories. Yes. Now you know why they say, they say cock and boo stories. Yes. yes. To say who have the wildest story. Wildest. So come and say, we saw, we saw two limbs walking on the road. There was no upper body. So say, we saw a lion smoking a cigar by the road. <laughs> Cock and bull stories. Cock and bull stories. When you want to serve God, you are giving us cock and bull stories. You are sacrificing for other things. You are sacrificing for other things. You see the sacrifice that people make. Sacrifice people make for money. Sacrifice people make for well-being, to, to do well in this life. It's a sacrifice. It's a price. I'm not saying you should, but it's a price. There's a price for everything. You paid for this price. You rather say clearly that, look, I'm not in this one. I'm not interested. Don't say I am interested and hold back. Yes, hold back. They come up with stories as though uh, whatever. So I'm, I'm saying to us, so I'm, I'm, say, I'm saying to us that it's hard to get going in the things of the ministry and to do it's, it's, you, have, you have to follow hard. Follow hard. Yes, it's the grace of God. But Romans 4.16 will tell you that it's by faith that it might be by grace. And James 2 will tell you that faith without works is dead. So if it's by faith that it might be by grace, that means that it must be by works that it might be by grace. Yes. yes. Who, who, who has faith? Who has faith? The lazy man or the hardworking man? Who has faith? Who has, who has faith? 
The person, the person who is not doing anything at all or the person who is really at work, who has faith. The person who is working hard must have more faith than the person who is not working because he must believe that there will be a result of what I'm doing. That's why I'm even doing it. That's why I'm even doing it. He must, he must believe in something. He must believe, he must believe that when I preach, people will be blessed. Yes, he must believe that if I preach, people will be, he must believe that if I lay hands, if I lay hands, she'll be blessed. That's why I'm making an effort to lay hands because I believe that my hands are anointed. He must, he must believe in something. He must believe in something. Who, who will plant a church? And who will plant churches? Has he got faith? Or the person who is not planting anything at all and saying that God works in mysterious ways. His wonders to perform. Who has more faith? The person who is on the move. Because that person believes that if I move, if I move, God will do something. Yes. Faith without works is dead. So who, 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 which of them will have the grace of God back in him? That there will be grace. You see grace to do things. Because it is of faith that it might be by grace. It's of faith that it might be by grace. So it's of works that it might be by grace. You must believe in that. You must be doing something to experience the grace of God. Wow. So, yesterday we talked about falling hard after the teachings on loyalty. Today I want to move to another subject. But before I move to that one, okay, I'll move to that one. I want to say something to us. I, I want to move to the subject of church growth. Yes. Following hard. Following hard after church growth. Hard. How many, how many pastors are here today? Pastors. 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 Yes. Okay. How many non-lighthouse pastors are here? Okay. Yes. How many non-lighthouse pastors? Pastors and church workers are here. You're not a pastor, but you're a worker. Uh-huh. Okay. A few of us. So, in our pursuit, pursuit of church growth, one of, one of the things I need to say to us is that a lot of things work together to have something. A lot of things. A lot of things work together. It's not just, it's not just this or that. A lot of things come together. A lot of things come together. Like a lot of things are working for a human being to be walking and jumping. A lot of, a lot of things actually have to be working, including your teeth. I was surprised when I heard one of these um, top football teams in Europe, their doctor or whatever he is, he said, when you see us buying a player and we say we're going to have a medical exam, he said, all we do is a test on their teeth. I saw him talking and I was was wondering, what do you mean all you do? But he said, I I, I don't know what they do. But he said, the teeth, the teeth, the teeth, will tell us 
how strong and how fit that person is. He said, we don't need much. We don't need, we don't do much. Teeth. Teeth. You wait till you have a toothache. You wait till you have a toothache. And see if you can run. The footballers run all the time. You, you see, it, it, I, I, I know, because I thought about it and I noticed that you'd be surprised that as you are, as you are running or moving, your teeth and if it's not in a good, you, you will feel it. You'll be very disturbed. The thing, the things that the, the way it can disrupt you. But you don't you don't think that that is what is working. That's what makes you fit. Sorry. So in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, the Bible says that, and we know, and we know. How many of you know that? How many of you know that you know? And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. So you see, I'm not, I'm not like promising you magic points. That if you do one, two, three, then everything changes. No. Neither do I think that you should allow anyone to tell you that when you do this, everything is changing in your church. No. All things work together for good. All things work together for good. All things work together for good. All things work, which means that there are several things that must be working. Several things that must be working. And that must be working well. So the best description I can give you in church work, growing a church, developing a church, is that perhaps you have to be a master juggler. Picture a juggler with about 10 balls. In every, in every split or microsecond, you see that 10 balls are hanging in the air, but he doesn't drop any. That is what I think a pastor and a serious minister should be like. The different things that I could mention, I cannot mention, but the few things that I could mention, you have to picture yourself that I have, I have all these things under control. That this is in the air, this is there. I cut this one, I read. So you see, jugglers, they are like that. And their head is always up. They don't look like that. It's an eye on the ball. 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 So you see, you see that the person is, is juggling prayer with good pastoring, with good leadership. Then evangelism is going up. So he has to be telling. Evangelism. Evangelism. Then anointing. Yeah. Yes. You have to be juggling. You have to be juggling all the time. You can't, you can't, you see, you can't afford to rest. You can't afford to rest. If you rest, one of the balls will drop. And when that ball drops, the scripture says, all things work together for good. So when that ball is dropped, you see something is not working. And then you be one, that's what you say, ah, but I've tried this, I've tried, but something, something, the blue ball is on the ground. That's anointing. The anointing is on the floor. You've dropped anointing. And you have, you have nice teaching. You have nice cell groups. You have, you have 
nice, nice prayer life. But you are not going for anointing. Anointing has dropped. Anointing has dropped. So you've, you've, become, you've become like a, a school teacher. You've become like a lecturer. You're like a lecturer. Because there's no oil on the things you do and the things you say. There's no oil. So your messages hasn't got the bite and the effect and the strength to carry what you are saying. You are like a school teacher. You are like a math teacher, English teacher, history teacher. You have to juggle. You have to become master jugglers. If you are serious and if you are interested and if you want to see church growth, master juggler. Juggle. Juggle it. Juggle it. When you discover, when you discover something new, add a ball. Add a ball. Perhaps all this while you only know of two things. You only know of prayer and cell groups. Maybe today you, you, you might learn good preaching. So when you see, you have three balls. As you go, you, you start this, then you add it. You have to keep adding without dropping the other. Yes. You have to keep adding. Keep adding. Keep adding. The more you add, the better your results are. And people have stopped adding. It's very clear. They stopped. They stopped. You see, a lot of people stop at certificates. That is appointment. Yes. A lot of people end end their ministry, end their ministry at appointment and certificates. It's like, that. It's like, I've achieved it. I've got it. I've got the certificate. I've got it now. I've got the title. I've got the title. I've even seen missionaries who ended, who ended their ministry by traveling to the, to the mission field. Do you understand by traveling? When they got there, that's it. They did nothing again. The main reason why they bought the ticket and moved as though it evaporated from their heads. So they became like tourists. Yes. Because their, their aim, maybe, maybe they didn't even know that their aim has never been taking a nation, taking a city, taking an island. Maybe they, they, they know that that is the main reason why they went there. They felt the main reason why they left is to buy a ticket and fly. Yes. So as soon as they go, they say, it's like, it's after all, I've done it. I've done it. I've done it. I've done it. They are, they are spiritually unambitious. They are not spiritually ambitious people. Need two slices of bread. In comparison to me, and say you've had dinner. Sit down. I will be looking. The way I've been brought up. I'll be looking. Where are the carbs? And where is the meat? I need meat. And a bowl. Of carbohydrate. A bowl. If you want to blame anybody. Blame my mother. Yes, blame my mother for the way she brought me up that way. Yes. A bowl of carbo, raw carbohydrate. Raw. Boiled carbohydrate. 
with hot water. And you put it down. Then you add meat. Meat. Mm-hmm, meat. There's something they call stew. Mm-hmm. It is equal to food. <laughs> it's called food. Carbohydrate, meat, and stew made out of tomatoes. It's called food. I'm always gossiping inside my head on the train. I'm always gossiping with myself. It's one of my sins I have to confess. I'm always gossiping. I say, hey, it looks like you are finished for the day. Maybe one of the things I should ask, I should ask them whether they have something else when they get home. So I'll come and tell you when I see you next. Yes. I think one of these is I'll ask that. Is this it? <laughs> because me, I can't do. <laughs> Just, just when I see a pastor re- retiring at 45 with 27 members, 60 members, I can't. He, he, looks, he looks like a sandwich-eating eating person. I, I, I can't. What are you doing? I can't. Did you understand? I can't relate with it. I can't, I can't relate with it. But by the grace of God, I have 20 more years to live. And I have 70 members. And I'm done. And I'm happy. Receiving certificates. Copying for myself. Congratulating myself. I can't. I'm not look at you. Look at you. Hey, have a sandwich for lunch. Hey. Me, if I can't find anything at all, KFC bucket. It's like lucky dip. You don't look inside. When you put your hand inside, something oily and chunky will come out. (laughs) Sometimes something small comes out. It's like hot wings. But when the oily thing comes out, you feel that mm, this one is dense. It's meaty. It's juicy. See, your fingers are sprinkled with oil. That's appetite. When you have spiritual appetite, anointings come to you. Anointings. Your life and ministry becomes oily. 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 Oily, you need tissue. Now you need tissue to wipe your lips and wipe your fingers. Little appetite for this kind of little, little finger foods. You don't even know whether you've eaten. You don't even know whether you've eaten. You finish eating meat. Meat. You ain't be licking your. I say, I'm explaining. I'm not teaching you on what to eat. I'm not teaching you on what to eat. I'm teaching you on spiritual appetite, spiritual ambition, spiritual drive, spiritual hunger and thirst. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. 
they shall be filled. They shall be filled. They shall be filled. And be telling us that in England, that is how it is. That is not how it is. That is not how it is. You are suffering from spiritual flu. You've lost appetite. It's called loss of appetite. Loss of appetite, loss of drive. It's depression, low mood. You, you, have, you have low mood. You are spiritually depressed. Low mood, low drive, no appetite, no hunger. You don't feel like anything. You don't feel like anything. You don't feel like outreach. You don't feel like prayer. You don't feel like going to the church. You don't feel like a new ministry. You don't feel, you don't feel like anything. We were here. We were here when those people started their their their, their ministry. The people that were celebrating their things in June. And their flags were all over the place. Even Barclays Bank changed their logo too. Yeah. Eh. They said their ministry not long ago. Look at how the ministry is growing. And you are saying that you are, you are saying that souls are finished in England. They started their ministry has grown. When they go for a match, millions of them, millions. And we are sitting here. We are sitting here. Type pastors typing and sharing statistics on how dark is getting. If it's getting dark, what do you do? Is all the lights that you turn on? Come on, turn on the lights. What oh. us how dark is getting? It's getting dark. What is the solution? What's the solution when it's getting dark? My children were younger, they would be telling me that I'm sleepy. I said, What's the solution to when you are sleepy? It's not sleep. Then one of one of them, one of them said to me once that no, I'm not sleepy, it's my eyes. <laughs> it's, like, it's the eyes that are sleepy, but the, my, my body is not sleepy. My body doesn't want to, but it's just my eyes. So I said, Okay, don't mind your body, just close your eyes. You'll be okay, just close it. It's getting dark. What is the solution? Shine the light. The light must get brighter. 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 Be free from spiritual depression. Be free. Be free from ministry depression. You're going to manage 14 people, five of which are your children. The sixth one is your wife. I don't know how many are left now. Mm, Eight, find where they came from. For the rest, the remaining 20, 25 years of your life. This is what you are going to do. Be healed from every form of ministerial depression. Low mood. Loss of appetite. 
no drive, no sense of direction. I don't feel like, I don't feel like it. No, 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 no. Get to the job. It's a juggling job. It's juggling. Everybody is juggling. Everybody is juggling. Everybody is juggling. Everybody is juggling. Juggle. Juggle with strength. Become a master juggler. When you drop a ball, don't be depressed. Start again. Pick it up and start again. One day you see yourself, you be juggling, and you start making noise and say, Whoa, look at me, look at me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Because evangelism is in place, church growth is in place, prayer is in place, fasting is working, conventions are working, camps are working, raising shepherds and pastors is working. You'll be screaming, You will enjoy ministry. You will enjoy it. Enjoy it. Tell your neighbor, don't be depressed. Don't be depressed. Don't be depressed. First Timothy chapter 1 and verse 18. So you have to learn that you, you have to be a juggler. 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 Because all things work together. All things. All things. It's a lot of things. You'd be surprised that the, the things do not include your nice suit. You bought your suit too early. You should have started with a t-shirt. Hmm. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. The next thing I want you to know before we start reading is that ministry is war. Yes, it's war. Have you seen the things that they said that you say, I receive it. I receive it. You have a mega church. Uh Uh-huh. So now, the scripture is saying that when you hear this thing and you receive it, which is a good response, good, good response, thou mightest by them war. So it's really is really an invitation to a battle. Yes. It's not, it's not a pat on the back. Prophecies are not well done. Well done. Good boy. Relax. Go to bed now. No. That thou mightest. Have you received a prophecy before? That means you've been invited to a war. You you have to use those prophecies, those declarations to fight 
you have to fight. You have to battle. It's, it's like it's time to battle now because the word of God says it. If you see, see that you see, you're reading your Bible, you're having your quiet time, and you see the words of Jesus, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's a prophecy to you. Now thou, by the words of Christ, the prophecies of Christ, you have to start the battle of building a church and growing a church. Yes, you have to start it. It's war. It's a fight. You have to start that fight. This is what Jesus says. This is what Jesus says. This is what the word of God says. You have to now start a battle, a fight, a war. Never giving in. Never giving up. If you've ever read Isaiah 2, 2, Micah 4, 1. Where is it? Yes. But in the last days, it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord. Can you see, can you see how the house of the Lord is even discovered? It's a mountain. It's a big thing. It's a big thing. It's not some miniature, miniature something hiding in southeast London. Meeting after 17 other churches have met. Meaning that, meaning that everybody, has, everybody has one and a half hours, one and a half hours, one and a half hours. How, how do you even have a great impact in 90 minutes? Is it a football match? Is it a football match? Is it a football match? Queuing. Queuing is like, it, it, it's not, it's, you're not, you not doing a voter's registry. Just registering people quickly so that they go. You're building a church. The, building, the thing is a mountain. You see, change your vision. Change your vision. Change your mind. Enlarge your costs. Increase your appetite. Increase your appetite. Increase your appetite for souls. For souls to be won and souls to be saved. Increase your appetite. Come out, come out of that game of 17 churches. Meeting in a small room that max you can get in is 25. Come out of that queue. Increase your appetite. When you, you've not even finished sharing the grace. There's somebody waiting. We are, we are, it's our turn. We are coming. Why is it a toilet? Well, there's a key for everybody to, to take their turn. What are you doing? You don't even know what, what you are doing has become almost like a joke. It's like you're not serious. It, it, it feels and looks like you are not serious. Just by the way you have set yourself up. You set yourself up in a non-serious way. Non-growing, non-progressive manner. Set yourself and say, I'm just there. It's like, this is what, this is what it is. And I'm sure if just a few years ago that they started their ministry. Today when they go on millions, and we are watching as, 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 though souls were finished, as though souls were finished in England. Hmm. The mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains. Wow. That shall be your story. Yeah. 
and it shall be exalted above the hills. And people, people shall flow into it. There shall be a flow of people. A flow of people. A flow of people. A flow of people. It means that there shall be queues outside your doors before your door opens and people go in. There shall be queues. There shall be queues. Flow. So you see, as you receive it, I say amen to your receiving. But I am talking to you about war based on the prophecy. Based on the prophecy. Because when you hear the prophecy, you go to bed. Or you turn it into a sticker and put it on your car. The people shall flow into it. Then I'll ask you the thing you've been teaching your, your church members. The faith without works is dead. So you're teaching about faith. I'll ask you that faith thing that you are teaching me. You to carry it into your church, your church growth project. Carry it into it. And let's see your works. Let us see your works and your zeal and your determination and your seriousness in that war. Because it's a war. This is a prophecy. That thou mightest by Micah for one make a good warfare. Yes. For when you see church growth, because it is possible. With God, all things are possible. I said, with God, all things are possible. With God, with Him, with Him, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. Everything is possible with God. Everything is possible with God. Anything can be done with God. Where God is because anything can be done. With him, everything is possible. With God. With God. It can be done. There can be a flow. There can be a flow. If only the people of God are willing to fight. Willing to charge. Willing to go for it. That we can. We can. It can be done. It can be done. It can be done. There shall be a flow of people into your church. I said there shall be a flow of people into your church. Your church will not be a midget insignificant thing on this island. No. It shall be a mountain on top of the mountains. I said it shall be a mountain on top of the mountains that be. And it shall be exalted above the hills. And people, 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 people of different nations, different nations, different tongues, different languages, diverse kindred, diverse tongues, diverse colors, people, people. People, people, people shall flow into it. It is a call to battle. Yes, it is a call. It is a call to battle. It is a call to fight. Overcome your depression very quickly. 
overcome your depression very quickly. I said quickly overcome your ministerial depression. Your low mood. Loss of appetite. Hmm. This book, this book will show you, sit down, will show you four battles that you need to fight in the ministry. Four battles. Four battles. I'll show you four battles. It's a war. Ooh. Ooh. Four battles. Mm. 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 Are you there? Do you want to see the four battles? I'll show you the four battles. In your preparation for growth of your church, in your preparation. Are you okay? Don't fall. Stay on your feet. There are four dimensions. That's chapter 75. A good general fights in four dimensions. First dimension is the personal dimension. The war in the first dimension is the war for your personal wholeness. There are many battles that have to be fought to establish your personal wholeness and integrity. So the war in the first dimension is therefore a war for your personal holiness. Hmm. The war in the first dimension, it's a war for your personal purity. I'm reading to you. The war in the first dimension is a war to establish your humility as an individual. The war in the first dimension is to establish your ability to love and forgive. Your war in the first dimension is a war where you fight against depression and bad attitudes in yourself. You ask yourself, don't ask anybody, why have you slowed down? 
It's your personal depression. Your personal analysis of things. Analysis. Your personal analysis of things within yourself, within. You see, there are battles within and there are battles without. Personal analysis of yourself. Have I made a mistake? Did I make a mistake? Why am I here? What should I have done? What did I do? And as you analyze yourself and you come to these depressive conclusions, you start folding up and closing shop without even realizing you are closing shop. This is the first dimension war. I'm giving you four dimensions of the war for the prophecies to be fulfilled. So see, you, you hear the prophecies, but there you are struggling with humility, full of pride, can't be corrected, can't be advised. You, can, you, can't even, you can't even, you can't even, you see, one of the manifestations of pride is delusion. When you can't see yourself as you are, you think of yourself higher and greater than you are. You feel accomplished. You feel accomplished. It's like, I've achieved it. I've done it. I've done it. I finished. I, I hit I hit 65 members at the age of 42. What more can I do? What more can I do? So even when you are being told, you have 28 more years to live. What are you going to be doing with it? You can't see. It's like, what's your problem? It's like, what's your problem? I fought a good fight. I finished my race. <laughs> Henceforth is laid out for me a crown. You can't see it. You talk, 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 rebuke, encourage, exhort till your tongue goes blue, but the person can't see it. It's like, ah, I mean, look, I have done, I have done, I have done 21 days fasting. I've done 40 day fasting. I have prayed 24 hours. I've led the church to pray for 24 hours before. I have done everything. Everything. I've done everything. Everything I have done it before. And by the grace of God, I have a continuous, sustained, average attendance of 65. What more do you want from me? Henceforth, it's laid up for me. Crown of righteousness. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for my dying day, while souls perish. So the first dimension, you are fighting yourself. You have to fight yourself. People have to fight themselves. See things different. See things because tell yourself the truth. Tell yourself the truth. That you haven't done anything. You haven't. Tell yourself. You have to tell yourself. Tell yourself that you have not even started. <laughs> mm. Fight against depression and bad attitude. The war in the first dimension is a war against bad domestic habits and inappropriate behavior. When things are not working domestically, you, can, you can't do well. Hmm. At every stage of your life, you'll be fighting in the first dimension. In your younger years, the enemy will fight against your holiness. 
the enemy will fight to make you unable to live a holy life. <laughs> there are four practices that Satan would love to impart to you as a young person. Once he's successful in planting these in you, you will struggle for the rest of your life to remain holy. Satan would like to infect you with pornography, masturbation, fornication, and homosexuality. Yes. And all this is, once you taste it, you enter into the battle of overcoming it. And if you can't, you start justifying it. And say, oh, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. But what's happening to you is that your ministry has been capped. Because what many people haven't learned is when God moves on from them. It's that God has moved and working somewhere else. Sometimes it's very difficult to see that hey, God has moved. You see, you start criticizing people that are doing things that you could have been doing it, but because of your backsliding, God has left you. Yes. Yes. That's how people criticize prophets and all these kind of things. Would you like to have that ministry in addition to your good biblical sound background that you have? Why, why didn't you add that gift to it? Was it not Jesus, our Savior? Who stood by the well and started telling someone about her story? Was it not Je about her life? Was it not Jesus? Why don't you also walk in your church on a Sunday morning and suddenly stop by somebody and put your hand on the shoulder and start telling the person about their life? Why don't you do it? But you see, somebody just said, mm, all these things are false. All these things are fake. All these things is just to get people's monies and do, 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 Why, your good, sound, biblical background, your purity, holiness, righteousness, why don't you add that dimension to your life and ministry? You don't even realize that he's moved on. He's moved on and left you. Left you singing beautiful songs and conducting beautiful choirs. Is that that's where you ended? That's where you ended. Loss of appetite. Should we continue reading? Okay. I'll read. I'll read some more. Throughout your life, you have to fight to establish yourself in holiness and purity. Whether you are in your 20s, 30s, or 50s, you will have a fight in the first dimension. At different phases of your life, you may have to fight to establish yourself in humility and forgiveness, depending on what has happened in your life. Wow. Another fight in the first dimension is the fight to be spiritual. The war in the first dimension has nothing to do with the externals. It is all about the unseen, the personal, and the internal. If you win the war in the first dimension, you are more qualified to fight on in the second and third dimensions of war. <laughs> now, 
The second dimension is the family dimension. War in the second dimension has to do with your spouse, your marriage, and your family. Once you get into a relationship, you have opened up a war on another front. Yes. You see, whilst Adolf Hitler was fighting with Britain, he opened another war in the east with Russia. It is not easy to fight a war on two fronts. It was his, it was this bad decision to fight a war on two fronts that destroyed Adolf Hitler. After 1941, the German army fought on two fronts. As soon as you get married, a war begins on the second front or in a second country. (laughs) Marriage promises many good things, but also many battles. Are you still here or you've traveled? The battle to be the head of the house is a battle in the second dimension. If you look around, you see many men who have lost this, this fight and are not actually the heads of their homes. Because, because they are not the heads of their homes, they are unable to gain control in the ministry. The scripture says that you must be able to rule well your home. Yes. So if you can't rule well there, you see that the ministry to you struggle. You didn't know, you see. You thought you can leave the home as it is and go and have a powerful church. No, read your Bible. You see, God is sending you home. Go and sort the home out and come. Go and fix it the way it's supposed to be. You can't control home. It'd be very difficult to control the church. You'll be as weak in the church as you are at home. When we see your church, we can see the way your wife is. Or your family. When you see the church, the way you run the church, the way anything is done, any, any way, anyhow, we can say that's how it goes on here. Anything is also done there. You are as easy in church as you are as you are at home. Easy flowing and liberal. Yes. Anything happens in your in your anything happens in your house. Can't put your wife in order. Can't put the children in order. Can't lead. Can't say no. Can't say yes. The same for everything in church. You see, you say, anything goes, it's okay. Always indecisive. Always. Every time they ask you, you just say, oh, flow, flow, flow. It will flow, flow, flow. It's okay, flow. It's working. Flow. Flow, it's working. Flow, it's working. Flow, flow, flow. 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 That's how you are at home. Home, you don't say flow. You say, what should we do? They say, they say, but you are there. They say, yes, I'm the head. That's why I'm asking you. That's my decision. My decision is to ask you. <laughs> yes. One that ruleth well his own house. Having his children in subjection with all gravity. 
For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Flow. Oh, we are flowing. It's working. Oh, flow. Flow. You should flow. You should flow. You should flow. Oh, pastor, what song should we sing? Oh, flow. Oh, flow. I mean, okay. Oh, flow. Flow. Oh, flow. Sing anything. Sing. Flow. I always say in the church that I pastor, there are no surprises. Just that there are no surprises. I mean, the only surprise I'll have will be from the Holy Spirit. But not from a human being who has planned to come and say a poem. No. There are no surprises. There are no surprises. Songs. There's no surprise song that the choir can sing. No, 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 no. No, no, no. If you sing a surprise song, there'll be a meeting. There are no surprises. People do surprises. They say, oh, flow, flow, flow. Surprise me. Surprise me. Surprise me. Surprise me, Surprise me today. <laughs> flow. We are flowing. We're flowing. It's working. Oh, it's powerful. You see, somebody has come, come, someone has come there and singing the song that is bringing depression in the church. And you can't say anything. And she said, because you told her to flow. So she's going according to her feelings. I, I had a worship leader once. I noticed week one, week two, week three, week four. When we come to church every day, she's trading her sorrows. Every day, I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my... Hey. One day I said, hey, darling, my sorrows are finished. I don't have any more to treat. It's finished. It's finished. It's finished. When she takes the microphone and she'll be going down like this. Then she turns. Then she say, I said, It's okay. It's okay. I've traded hard. My, I don't have anything more to trade. It's finished. It's finished. It's finished. It's finished. It's finished. Ah. Well, you're sitting there. Some people are just sitting there. This kind of deep, melancholy people who always wake up from the wrong side of the bed. Coming to start the service for you. To introduce gray clouds into the service. Gray clouds like London weather. Look at yesterday. So bright. Look at today. This is London. <laughs> so you must have spoken to a person on Friday. She's very bright and bubbly by Sunday when she arrives with her lipstick and makeup.
and the wig that she threw on because she couldn't be bothered to fix her hair. Which will explain to you the mood she's in. That I can't be bothered. You see, it's no drive, loss of energy. So the wig that she has thrown on should give you the message, I can't be bothered. I can't be bothered. That's why I've come with this cap. The cap is called wake. She can't think of any song. Where she starts. Hello. I'm trading my pain. Come on. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. Sing it. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes. Say yes. Yes. Say yes. Yes, yes, Lord. Amen. You don't want to trade it. Trade it one more time. sorrows are finished <laughs> it's time to build the church yes. so that's the battle for the head of the house now there are sexual battles waiting for you in the second dimension the presence of your wife does not dry out all your sexual problems in fact, it opens the door to other problems. Some Christian wives play hard to get. Unlike strange women who are eager to use their sexuality. So depending on what you get. For us, another door has been opened. Once you are married, there are battles to bring you down through strife. Marriage opens the door to conflict quarrels and strife. The battle to remain loving and forgiving begins as soon as you marry. Marriage is one of the things that will show you how spiritual you are. The marriage relationship is not the same as boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. You will fight in the second dimension to deal with conflict. Third dimension the third dimension is the leadership dimension. 
The third dimension is the war to bring your fellow commanders and team members into unity, oneness, and loyalty. Yeah, that's what someone said. We'll unite the party, we'll unite Britain, and we'll defeat Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, shall be done. So the third dimension of war, you bring your fellow commanders to, into unity, into oneness, and into loyalty. We'll do it together. We can do it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The battle in the third dimension begins when you start to have a team and to exercise leadership. Good leadership requires helpers and assistants. The battle to gain control over your helpers and assistants is a big one. This is where loyalty and disloyalty is important. The battle to be a good leader in whom people trust is the first battle in the third dimension. Did you get that? The, the battle to be a good leader that people trust is the first battle in the third dimension. Many leaders fail in the third dimension because they can't lead well. This leads to poor growth, poor administration, and no establishment. Fourth dimension. The fourth dimension is the public dimension. The fourth dimension is the battle for the public ministry. When fighting in the fourth dimension, you are seen in the open, preaching, teaching, and ministering. In this dimension, you will have to fight with familiarity in the people. The battle for the fourth dimension is the battle to be anointed. It is the battle to be prepared to preach. It is the battle to know what to say, how to say it, and when to say it. The battle in the fourth dimension may be the easiest of the four wars that you will fight. Hmm. Then it goes on and on and on. A secular general differs from a spiritual general in the sense that the secular general often does not need personal holiness and righteousness to fight in the public dimension. This is why many politicians live very immoral lives but are, the he are heads of states and leaders of nations. Indeed, some of them are very successful public leaders in spite of their depraved personal lives. In some countries, presidential candidates are forced to step aside when it is discovered that they do not have perfect lives. However, in many countries, public office holders are far from moral. In such places, the personal dimension has no bearing on the public career. We as ministers of the gospel cannot ignore the personal dimension. When you become a minister of the gospel, you cannot live anyhow and you cannot do what you want. You must follow God's way. Hallelujah. So the prophecy is an invitation to walk. And I've read to you 
the forefronts which you'll be battling. The forefronts. It's an invitation to walk. The forefronts. You're battling on these forefronts. It's a battle. It's not. Prophecy is not admission into relaxation and sleep and slumbering. It's rather a wake-up call. That, hey, you are needed in the front. You, you are needed. You are, you are being required to get to the front of the battle. So can you imagine whilst you are fighting? You are juggling with other things. Other things. You will be a master juggler. All things will work together for your good. Now, the next thing I want us to see in church growth, we are following hard after for church growth, is church planting. Church planting. Church planting is church growth. Yes. The more churches, the more people. The simple arithmetic. You have 50 churches with 20 people each. When you come together, how much is that? 1,000. How many of you like 1,000 people in your church? Eh, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Church planting. We are talking about church planting now. I'm showing you the wisdom. Attend to my wisdom. Attend to my wisdom. You have to follow hard. After the wisdom of the person that you've chosen to follow, attend to my wisdom. Because that person will tell you, instead of, instead of going to rent a hall that seats 5,000 people and pay 50,000 pounds every Sunday with 200 people in, hoping that one day, brother, have smaller halls and churches. Less cost, more souls are saved. Yes. You see, in the, the scripture says that in the multitude of the people is the king's glory. So people will like to set themselves up and have a lot of people in front of them and feel good. Which is not easy to come by. It's not easy to come by. That you are there as a king. So a lot of people have moved away from church planting. It's like they've moved away from saving souls and winning souls without realizing it. And struggling, struggling for those 60 people to become 600. In a hall that seats 112. Believing God, praying for 600 people in a hall that seats 112. In the multitude of the people is the king's honor. Yeah. The king looks good when he has a lot of people. Looks very good. So, church expansion comes through planting of churches. Yes. Planting of churches. See, one day I had a guest preacher here. Oh, no, I was a pastor here. I mean, in this building. I had a guest preacher. After a guest preacher finished preaching, I was driving back to his hotel. 
his, his hotel was at Greenwich. So I was sitting in my car driving, happy that I've got a man of God by my side. Very, very, very happy and very content. I'm alone with the man of God. Today I'm going to get some revelation. You know, sometimes after the preaching, there's some lingering anointings and private interviews and private discussions and, and blessings. When somebody calls you by your first name, no title, you should know that it means that you are qualified for the anointing because he sees you as a small boy. So I said, yes. I said, yes, pastor. Yes, pastor. Yes. Richard is here. <laughs> he said, how many, how many uh, churches did you say you have in this country? Then, then we had about six churches. I said, is that six or twelve? I can't remember. Let's work with six. I said, six. I said, mm, how many people are in the church? I said, oh, it's average about 10 or 12 per church. So I, a couple of them have about 50 or 20. Eh, then he said, Richard, those are fellowships, not churches. <laughs> He said, they are fellowships. Then he asked me again, do you understand what I'm saying? I said, yes, please. Yes, please. But now I'm choking with depression. I said, I said, man of God. He said, he said, do you understand what I'm saying? They are fellowships. They are, what you are calling branches, are fellowships. They are fellowships. They are not churches. I said, no problem. I said, yes. Then he asked, do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Don't call them churches again. They are fellowships. I said, yes, please. And we go to the hotel. In my mind, get out of my car. <laughs> No, no, I wasn't thinking like that. I just wasn't thinking like that. I was feeling very sad. Feeling very sad. As soon as he got out of the car, and I called Bishop, I have to run to my father. Where can I go to? Who can I go to? I called him. I called him. I said, I just dropped, you know, Reverend, um, Reverend Man of God. I just dropped Reverend Man of God. He said, well, how was it? How was the program? I said, oh, it was very good. You're blessed. But Bishop, I'm very sad. <laughs> he said, ah, why? Why? I thought he said, he said, I said, he said, our six churches are fellowships. They are no churches. They are no churches. They are fellowships, Bishop. I thought I'd be working hard here. They have branches. He said, they are no branches. They are fellowships. He said, no problem where two or three are gathered. The Lord is last. It's a church. Be blessed. <laughs> but you see, I haven't finished my story. I haven't finished my story. <laughs> you see, over time, over time, the fellowships have grown. The fellowships have grown. If you like, the fellowships have now become churches. And they are not just sex now. Plenty. Plenty. Yes. 
haven't finished my story. I haven't finished my story. I haven't finished. Now, I was here in London. I was not in London. I was here in London. Where? Reverend Fellowship. Will call me and say, I'm in town. I want to come and preach in the fellowship. <laughs> I mean, then you have the fellowship. He was in town without invitation. You know, if you want someone is coming to church, you have to invite the person, go through our protocols, invite them. No, he, 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 now he's, he's switched. He switched, no invitation, no phone calls. I'll be there. He's, he has come. Then I'll call my father. Reverend Fellowship said he's in town. He, he did. He, you see, he doesn't even ask me when can he come and preach. He tells me that, so I'm available on this day. Then Bishop will say, no problem. Don't embarrass a father or a grown-up. Let him come. Let him come. Then I'll be sitting here like a mouse. You come and preach. I'll be there. I'll get another call. I'm around. Then he got to a point. I don't get the call from him again. I started getting the call from his secretary. <laughs> Reverend is in town. He only has two Sundays free. One is taken by this one. So you have to take the other one. <laughs> then I'll call my father. Rev is around. He says he only has one Tuesday free. <laughs> then he will say, his words were always, don't embarrass a father. Don't do this. Let him come. Then I'll say, okay, come. Then you see, whilst he's preaching, the people are standing and excited and being blessed. The word was powerful. I'll be sitting there <laughs> with my fellowships. I would have gathered the fellowships for him. I would have gathered the fellowships. I would have gathered my fellowships. But the fellowships were growing. When the fellowships gather without announcement, without announcement, on a normal Tuesday, cold night, without, without anything, the hall is full. The fellowships. I'm explaining church planting to you. Church planting. Because it's a great thing, but yet you can despise it. It's a great wisdom that saves souls. Is it church? Church. Anytime you think church, think souls. Think souls. Church is not, church is not to make anybody into a champion or some gloss. Church Church is John 3, 16. Church is Matthew 28, 19, and 20. That is church. That is church. If you don't have these two verses deeply enshrined in your heart and your soul, you are not qualified for church growth. Yes. It is soul. Soul winning. Soul winning. To go. It says go to the well, baptizing. And then look at that word there. Teaching. Teaching. Where do you teach people? Who can you teach if you go on evangelism at Westfield? And how much can you teach them? Teaching. That is church. 
What we call great commission is church planting. You want to fulfill the great commission? You want to accomplish, go to the full length of what we have called great commission, plant churches. Move into planting of churches. Move into establishing, because that is where you will gather a few. A few. And teach. And that few will start growing. Will start increasing. Will start expanding. Then you gather a few here. Then you gather a few here. Then you gather a few here. Don't worry about numbers. Don't worry about numbers. Don't, don't even worry about the age of the people. Don't even worry about the age of the people. Don't even worry about the age. Don't even worry about the age of the people. Yes. He was 19 years when he joined the church. Were you not 19? He was 19 years old. I was his pastor. He was 19 years old. He was my bass guitarist. Today he's called Reverend Edmund. No, wait, wait. I'm explaining something to you. Wait, wait, I was pastor. I was 19 years old. Doesn't mean I was 60 years then, but he was 19 years old when he joined the church. He was 19, his wife was 18. Small boy, small girl. 19 years old, he's my bass guitarist. Do you know which church he handles now? You are sitting in his church. You are sitting in his church. This is where he is. He has, he has sacked me from the church. And he has taken the church. This is his church. Yes. I have gone to rent a hall. Struggling for souls to be saved and souls to be established there. He comes here, a man of God. We, we have borrowed his church. We, we have borrowed his church to use for our conference. I mean, this is his church. We are disrupting all his meetings and things. Yes. But what I'm saying to you is that that 19-year-old boy, just like this guy, like this, 19. You know that you're 19. Has it changed? He's still 19. Yes. 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 This is one of our pastors. He's, all, he's called Pastor Daniel. Yes. He's 19 years. And he pastors a church. He has a church that he pastors, that he preaches to. And I'm saying that this one was also 19. Now he said he's, he's, he's in a cathedral. I'm, I'm like a nomad. I move from room to room. Wherever it's available, I move. I move and I send a message. This is where we are today. Come. Come, yes. So you, you'll be despising little things. You'll be despising small churches. So this, like, there's no drive. There's no drive. It's like there's no wisdom to move. You're still in the small hall. Be believing God that, look, one day, one day will be 6,000. Yes, one day you can be 6,000. One day you can be 6,000. But perhaps your 6,000 is not going to be achieved by your one church. And how long are you going to wait? How long are you going to wait for that thing to be achieved? Move and plant churches. You like soul winning? You want soul winning? I'm telling you that soul winning is church planting. Great commission is church planting. Planting of churches. Plant the churches. Tell yourself. Tell yourself. If Tesco opens a shop, you open a church. 
One Tesco, one church. One Tesco, one church. One Tesco, one church. Tell yourself. Tell yourself that. When I see people having churches, I get excited. Because I know more souls will be sick. I know everybody won't come to my church. Everybody won't come to my church. Everybody won't come to the church that I pastor. So it means that more churches must spring up. More churches must come up. More and more and more and more. Yes. How many were we when we started our branches? Just a few of us. Just a few. I'm sure, we're about, I'm sure we're about 50 or 60 there about when we started our branches. 50 or 60. I'm sure we say, start here. Start another one here. This guy, this guy in your church, send him. This is your usher. All my head ushers are pastors. All my head ushers are pastors. And all my instrumentalists are pastors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, this is my head usher. He was my head usher. He's a pastor. He pastors a church. Where, where's the other head usher? Kofi, yes. This is another head usher. He's a pastor. Where's the other one? I saw another one here. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, why are you hiding? Yes, this is another. All, all these people were ashes here. Head ashes. When this one goes, I say, okay, you are the next head usher. It's like head ashing is like a cue. A cue for church planting. Ashes. No prayer warriors. Ashes. Ashes, yes. Ashes, yes. I said, you've ashed you've ash enough. Who else is there? Uh-huh, yes, said, this is another one. Yes, he to head Asha. Head Asha said, church, church, come on, church, 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 church. You are not saved to come and show people where to sit. You are saved to save souls. You are saved to save souls. You are saved to save souls. Jesus didn't die for you to come and show people where to sit. If they can't see which chair to sit, they should ask me, I'll tell them, sit here. It's not a problem. That's safe to save. Yes. I said, I've four head ashes. They all pastors. They all pastors. They all preach every Sunday. Instead of keeping people, keeping them, good people, good people, good hearts. They love God. They love God. That's why they are there every Sunday. Who loves God more than an usher? Who is always there every Sunday. Every Sunday he's there. Does he not love God? Does he not like God? Yes. He must like God to be there every Sunday. To be showing people where to sit. And sometimes to be shouting at them. He must like God. He must like God and he must like you, the pastor. Because he's doing what you want. I should tell you, arrange the people like this. He's doing what you like. Hey, hey, you, are, you are following, you're using such a person just to forever and ever become a Methuselah Asher. No. Ship him off. Ship him off. Ship him off to win souls. Unless you don't have John 3, 16, Matthew 28, 19 and 20, unless it is not enshrined in your hearts, in your soul. Then you'll be just be packing people up and making yourself a lot over them. Our souls are perishing. Our souls are perishing. Ship them off. Ship them off. Teach them loyalty so they don't break away. 
knock loyalty into their coconut. When they go, they'll be stable. They, their, fo- their focus will be on souls. On souls and nothing else. On souls. On souls. When people tell them, your, your message was powerful, they won't feel, they won't feel they, are, they are better. Than, don't be afraid. You see, the, the, your fears you have, the fears that people have, why they don't do church planted, is because of a lack of teaching. And you're not into church planting. That's why you don't like the message on, on loyalty. If you're into church planting, you will see that it's a necessary, it's a necessary teaching to keep, to keep the unity of the body, to, to keep us together. Yes. But you're not into church planting. You're not advancing. You're not progressing. You're not moving on that. Track. When you hear loyalty, it's like, hey, loyalty, 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 loyalty. No, because you don't, you don't have what it takes. To make that message necessary to you. If your choir director has, take, has taken the church away three times, you've not even understood how to keep the choir. Sit down. Yes. So, church planting is needed to grow the church, to increase the church. For the church to multiply, need church planting. Don't be, don't be scared. Don't be scared of people who despise what you have. Don't, don't worry about them. Don't worry about them. Stay focused. I've been laughed at before. I've been laughed at before. Too much. The churches are fellowships. I've been. To, I just told you. These fellowships. I was, cry, I was crying within. I was crying. Do he say what is going on? It's a joke. I didn't know it was a joke. I've been told recently somebody was laughing. He has, he has youth, no youth or youth. He's a pastor of youth. I said, No problem. Jesus died for youth. Did, did Jesus not die for human beings? Are youth not human beings? Yes, he said, Oh, he's a pastor. He's a pastor of youth. He's a pastor of youth. I said, No problem. No problem. No this time I didn't feel sad. I just said, no problem. The youth will grow. When they grow, I invite you and introduce them to you. Yeah. This is the youth. The youth have grown. Yes. Don't worry about people's opinion and things. Be, be a sticker to the word. Stick to the word with the word. Be strong with the word. Be stubborn in the word. Mindset of church planters. Wow. Mindset of church planters. Number one. Understand that God is monitoring your works. So a church planter has the mindset that God is interested in his works. What he's doing. What he's doing. What is going on. How is his mind working? What is he doing? Your works. What are your works? Revelation 2.2 I know thy works. Revelation 2.9 I know thy works. Revelation 2.13 I know thy works. Revelation 2.19, I know thy works. God is saying, I know your works. 
Revelation 3, 1. And unto the angel of the church inside is right. These things say the, he that has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works. Revelation 3, 8. I know thy works. See, God did not say, I know your cars. And I know your shoes. And I know your houses. Which sometimes has become the mainstay and the main aim and the main proof of the calling of men. That if God has called me, I have this car. I have this car because God has called me. This is a car I drive. These are the shoes I wear. As though you are not wearing shoes before you got born again. As though everybody who has a car is born again. When God is saying, I shall make a difference between Egypt and Israel. I'll make a difference between believers and unbelievers. Why don't believers also rise up and do things that unbelievers won't do? What won't an unbeliever do? Win a soul. Yes. Yes. That is what an unbeliever will never do. To win a soul. Why don't we rise up as believers and say, we too, we will do what, it will be our aim to do what unbelievers don't do. Buy a car, unbelievers buy cars. Fly business class, unbelievers fly business class. Fly first class, unbelievers fly first class. Marry a beautiful girl, unbelievers marry beautiful girls. Wear designer clothes, unbelievers wear designer clothes. Wear designer shoes, unbelievers wear designer shoes. Buy the biggest house of all, unbelievers have big houses too. All, all these things are not pointers to your calling and to your God. It doesn't point. It doesn't prove. It doesn't prove that. It doesn't prove that you have God and God is with you. What will show that God is with you? Souls are you winning? How many of those cars can you carry to heaven? How many of your suits can you take to heaven? But the Scripture says, "He that winneth souls is wise." Yes, and your soul winning gives you crowns in heaven. Crowns. Aim for crowns to get crowns to have crowns. No cars. He said, "I know your works." He's saying that I know your dealings. I can see what you've been up to. You are into shoes. Those are works, and the only work. That carries credit is so winning, which is church planting. So winning. So winning. Mr. Pastor, how many souls have you established in the kingdom? How many souls? You'll be counted by the number of churches you've planted. Mr. Pastor. Mr. Pastor. Mr. Pastor. The souls. The souls. Souls is what has to be on your heart. The souls. The, 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 strength, the strength of a church is not a seating capacity. It's, it's sending capacity. That's the strength of a church. The strength. The strength. 
the strength of the church. Yes. As you see someone say, we, we, are, we, are, we are in looting. We've taken looting for, but now you have 50 churches in looting. How many people are in looting? You, you, you see us talking, we, we're in looting. We are in looting. We've been looting for 21 years. This year is our 21st anniversary. No church has been started. Nobody. People grow up. Then they backslide. Then you start again. Then they backslide. Then you start again. Then they backslide. All the half of the people you started with have backslidden and you've started again. So you are the same number. We have a church. We have a church. We have a church in Nottingham. 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 Look at the size of Nottingham. Look at the size of Nottingham. How many churches have been planted? How many souls have been won? How many people have been sent out? I was driving to Sheffield the other day and I remember the first junction I saw Sheffield and I counted the junctions that Sheffield covers. I said, yeah, pastor's there. Instead of saying, each junction a church or even donate, donate to God. Say to yourself, I'm giving God each junction five churches. We are in Sheffield. I'm the, I'm the, Reverend from Sheffield with one church in a leisure center seating 27 people. Then it grows. Then we watch them backslide. When they grow, then we watch them get offended and go to another church. When they grow, then we watch them turn into something else. Then we'll be saying, these people, they are not serious. No, they are serious. No, they are serious. At least they are decisive. We are tired. We are tired. You are tired. You are not decisive. You can't decide what they should do. You can't, you can't lead them and say, now you've read this thing. Do this. I think they are serious. They are serious. They can say what they want and what they want to do. You can say, you don't even know what you want. We are looting. We're in Sheffield. We're in Nottingham. We're in London. In London. There's one church in London. Can't multiply. Can't multiply. Can't increase. God is looking at your works. God is looking at your works. He's watching it. He knows the works. The church planter knows that God is looking. That's why, that's why he's eager. He said, no, 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 no. You sang enough songs in the church. Can you go and preach now? Others can sing. Please, others can sing. Go and start a church and teach them songs there. Preach and teach songs. Others will sing. Don't worry, others will sing. We are in Birmingham. We are in Birmingham. 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 West Midlands. We're taking the whole of West Midlands for Jesus. In one church with 81 people in the community center. When they grow, when they grow, instead of becoming teachers and preachers, when they grow, then they evaporate. When they grow, then they dissolve. When they grow, then they get offended and run away. 
When they grow, then they disappear. No church planting. No church planting. No soul winning. They're just there. No vision. No vision to keep them going. Nothing to keep them going and to keep them alive and to keep their faith alive. There's nothing. The pastor hasn't got any such vision for anybody. Every day correcting fornication. You are just praying for someone to fornicate to help your message to work. Yes. You are just wishing and hoping that you will hear. This one has gone to fornicate. Aha. Today my message will land. to the nations, teaching them how not to fornicate. <laughs> Number two, the second mindset of a church planter. Are you here? Are you tired? I'm also not tired. Church planting is the key to going all the way with God. All the way. All the way. In other words, when you are not planting churches, saving souls, winning souls, fulfilling the great commission, you're not going all the way. You started, but you stopped. Birmingham should be littered with churches from different denominations and different independent churches. You see, when we hear when we hear the word church, we're excited. Heaven is excited. Heaven is excited. Churches. So, you see, Birmingham is the, is the second largest city in the, in the UK. The UK is the second largest church. City, city, sorry, city. City. What are you doing there? Now we start sending statistics. You see, these are brothers are taking over the city. They're taking over the city. They're taking over the city. You've been preaching to 12 people for 17 years. They're taking over this. They're taking over this. It's the second largest. It's the second largest city. It's a very, very, very big place. But these, these, are brothers. They're taking over the city these days. So, this is they become a lot. What are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? When, when God saw the state of the world, what did He do? He did John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He sent. He sent. He sent, he sent, he sent. Send your sons. Send your sons. Send your sons. If you love that city, send your sons. If you love, if you love that place, send your sons. Don't tell, don't tell me every 140 seconds somebody is stabbed in London. That place that is stabbed. Apart from that data that you are sharing, ask yourself the next question. Where is that soul? Where is that soul? Where is that soul? Heaven or hell? Heaven or hell? Where is that soul? Send your son to that area to save souls. Instead of having discussions, send your son. Send your son. Because when God loved the world, he sent his son. He sent him. He gave him. He sent him. Send your son. 
Send your son off. Send the sons off. Let the sons go. Let the sons go. You'll be very proud. When you, when you, when you have sons, you'll be very proud of them. You see, oh, this son is here. 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 Yes. Remember this one? He was singing in the church. Nice voice. Singing nice songs with um, styles. Don't take it. Don't take it. And I saw him. He was in the church. Which church were he in? Sheffield. Yes, it was in Sheffield. Don't take it. Stay connected. Then you do the, their things. Stay connected. And I was watching him. I said, hey. But, but this singing. How far is it going to go? What's the future? What's the future? You are singing stay connected. Then you must be connected. I said, pack your bag. Pack your bag, brother. I said, your bag, pack it, brother. I beg you. I beg you. Go a little further up north. There's a place called Liverpool. Go there. Go and start a church. Go, go and win souls there. You are connected. We've, you sang it for us. Uh, it's okay. Yes, it's okay. You're connected. Every time we have a convention, stay connected. Or take me back. Take me back. Uh, we've gone back. <laughs> we've gone back. We've gone back. I said, you know, pack your bags. Tell your wife we are going. She'll say where? Tell her we are continuing on the M1. We'll go. We'll go. We're going further up to save souls. There are souls there. There are souls there because we see them on the television. Have you seen Anfield? Filled with souls. It's called football supporters, but they are souls singing. We never walk alone. Singing. They lose a lot, so they're always singing and crying. Yes. They're always losing. I don't know why. So you see them, the whole hands are there. They are rocking together. So you never walk alone. You never walk alone. They need comfort. You never walk alone. Never walk alone. But you see the stadium full. Atmosphere charged. They are souls. Those are souls. Those are souls. They need a pastor. They need a pastor. The Bible says, strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. They are scattered. They are like sheep without a shepherd. No shepherd because nobody cares. Rather, pastors are in a hurry to preach 27 minutes and go and sit down and watch. It's of training people to go and save those souls. Preaching 27 minutes on a Sunday, finish quickly to go and sit down and watch. You never walk alone. You never walk alone. Rocking with them. If you pass out, you sit behind his television and even crying with the people. You never walk alone. As they are losing. Having, having no, no consideration. No consideration for the soul of the people. You never walk alone. You will never walk alone. You have plenty of sheep. Sit <laughs> down. All the way. Mark 8.35. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. 
Making the sacrifices for God. Go all the way. Number three, the mindset, the third mindset is that you are expected to accomplish certain works whilst on earth. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. God has made you for good works. What works can you do that are better than saving souls? May you have more churches. May there be more churches. I said, may there be more churches. May there be more churches. attendance of 61 that 61 that you have there are 5 of them that have been with you for 10 years let them start churches let them start churches and even have 30 each 30 times 5 is what 150, 150 plus 61 is what 211 you've never seen 211 before it's 211, I didn't know souls you don't like 211 if you don't like me, I like oh. You don't like 211? Me, I receive it. You don't like 211? Hmm. Huh. You should understand Christ's estimate of a soul. The value he places on a soul. He said, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? This is a business of pastors. This is our business. Our currency is souls. No shoes. Or cars. Or the beauty of our wives. <laughs> Pastors must boast of souls like Christ. He dumped, he dumped, he dumped the prosperity and the riches of this world. He says, soul. What? 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 He says, you're a soul. He says, gain the whole world and lose your soul. It's like you're a fool. One day I had an outreach program. It was at, it was at Goldsmith College. Is it college? The one at New Cross. University. Goldsmith University. New Cross Gate. That one, yes. I, know about, I remember that outreach. Because I left the place very depressed. I went on outreach there. Outreach event. Preached from my heart. Made an altar call. And two people, two, one, two like that, walked out to give their lives to Christ. Instead of being happy, I was depressed. On my way home, I got a phone call. It came from who? No other person than Bishop Dag. I think I told him about the outreach event already. So he said, how did he go? I said, Bishop, it didn't work. He said, oh, why? He said, why? He said, what? He said, what happened? 
I said, only two people got saved. Then he said, I want to ask you a question. I said, please, fire. Fire away. Shoot. He said, if you are in a house with your wife, Linda, and the house is burning, and the fire brigade come, when they get there, then you hear them on the radio, and they say, no, they are just two human beings in the house, so it's okay, and then they turn around. He said, will you like that? He said, will you like that? He said, will you like, just you and your wife. So they turn off and they go, because it's just two people. It's like, it's just two people. We, we, came, we came to save 50. We want to save 50, we want to save 100. They are just two. Let's go home. We can't, we can't waste our water and our foam and our experience. Let's leave this you know, to, to choke in the smoke and die. They just two. After all, it's just Richard and Linda. They should die. I said, God, forgive me. I said, God, forgive me. Have mercy on me. Forgive, forgive me. I said, God, forgive me. I have wronged you. I am so happy. Thank you for these souls. Thank you for these souls. Thank you. Thank you for these two. 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 One day I'll get to heaven and maybe these two will come and say thank you. Or maybe, or maybe, pray to come and say, now I said, who, who are you people? Then you said, no. A pastor, a pastor, is someone who gave his life to Christ at Goldsmith University. When you came to preach, he was one of the two. One of the two. Yes, two. Christ and his estimate of his soul. When he enters your soul, you value one person. One soul we valued. You start a church, you have 20, you value it. You have 10 churches, 10 churches of 20 people each. You will value it. You value it and stop this and stop this big manism. It has to be something. It has to be something. Maybe you don't even have the grace yet for it. Yes. You don't have the ranking. God, there are rankings in the ministry. There are rankings. If you don't have the rank for it, you'll be, you'll be happy with what you have and work on it and develop. Sit down. Yes. So some good works are expected from us. Some good works. Hmm. Number eight, the strength, the strength of a church is measured by its sending capacity. Acts 13 verse 1. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called is it Niger or Niger? <laughs> and Lucius of Cyrene, <laughs> a Manan, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed to Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. Your Barnabases and your souls must be sent. You must have Barnabases and souls in your churches. 
as I'm preaching there, there should be names that are coming to you. But oh, these people, these people, they are overcooked. They are hard-boiled eggs in the church. Hard-boiled eggs. You have whipped them, toasted them, fried them. No difference. You've told them, this thing, do it. Start a choir. They can't start a choir. They, you guys, the person can't. The person, it's like the person is overboiled. Start having church planting meetings with them. Even, even, even if there are three of them, it's a class. Teach them how to start a church. How to start a church. Commit them to prayer. Commit them to fastings. Teach them how to do outreach. Teach them how to preach. And tell them, start, start here. So tell you, start here. You, start here. You too, start here. Depending on the size of the church, you can stand in front of your class and point your finger like this, your hand like this, and tell them, this is, this is the M1. <laughs> start from the bottom and climb up. Every city, one church. Every city, one church. Every city, one church. Every city, one church. Every city one, church. one church. Do your hand like this in front of them. Because you, you, you don't know what to do. I wonder. But so where, where should we go? I'm sure. I'm showing you where to go. Show you where to go. Come on. Like this. Come on. Like this. Or if you like, take A four O six. Say say. Do you know A four O six? There are places that lead to A on around A four O six and towards A A four O six. That. Or say M twenty five, London Orbital. And stand in your church and spin around. Ask them how many junctions are they? Clockwise or anti-clockwise? And ask them each exit, where does it lead to? Because there are souls there. There are souls there. Souls there. There are souls there. They tell them, brother, go and try. Go and try. Go and try. Attempt great things for God. Attempt it. Attempt great things for God. And try something for God. In your lifetime, try something for God. Yes. Don't just sit in the church and be training people how to become millionaires. And how to become businessmen and bankers. Are you, are you, are you, are you surprised at the state of the church? It's the message you've been sharing. That is what is creating what you have. London orbital and have a discussion. This junction, where does it lead to? This one, where that, which ones are most practical? Let's start from there. As we get stronger, we spread ourselves out. Souls must be saved. Though. Souls must be saved. Churches must be planted. Where? Where? There is no church growth. No church planted. We don't see certain works. It's because a certain disease is working there. That disease is called barrenness. Yes, it's called barrenness. Let me share with you the next few minutes 
overcome barrenness. Yes. Yes. It's all here. Church planting. It's all here. Church planting. It's here, church planting. Because you have to see it. That this is my state. People, no one will easily like say, I'm barren. I'm barren with souls. I don't have souls. I've been patching the church for a while. The church is not growing. It's barrenness. I'm pastoring for the church. The church is growing, but I can't produce pastors or leaders. It's barrenness. Anything you don't have, you are barren in that area, in that aspect. Yes. Are you still here? Can I continue? Wow. Do you want to know how to fight the different types of barrenness? What does it mean to be barren? Number one, to be barren means to be unfruitful. Two, it means to be sterile. Three, it means to be childless, airless, and issueless. Four, it means to be non-productive. Five, it means to be deficient in production. Eleven, it means to be depleted. Twelve, it means to be deserted. 13, barrenness speaks of dryness. 14, barren, a barren thing can be described as not being copious. 15, a barren land is a scanty land. 16, barrenness is sometimes dullness. Be liberated from dullness. It's usually when you're not interested in something, when that thing is going on, you become down. It's like you fall asleep. That's a sleepiness is a sign of a lack of interest. Yes. Because there are places that you never sleep. No matter what. No matter what. Yes, no matter what. Anytime I've been to the movies with my children, they'll tell me, Daddy, you fell asleep. Then I'll tell them that I fell asleep at that boring part, isn't it? Then they'll say, actually, yes. yes." I say, yes, because I, I can't. I, go, I, I don't understand. Just give me the beginning and then show me the end. Let's go home. But this long, dragging thing that I've been used to, to make up time. 
Is that not the time that I fell asleep? When this person was saying this, and we don't know what they were talking about, you have to, you have to think too much. So yeah, my, my brains are occupied already. I can't lend it to this. I want the part that somebody is about to die or somebody is about to live. Or the story is about to end. Yes. I become dull Because I'm not interested. I'm not interested. Yeah, come down. <laughs> Always watch down people. Just to minute you, they come down. Always watch them. It's barrenness. They've become barren. They've become barren. Down. We are preaching anointing. Church growth. Church planting. <laughs> when you start talking about something else and they come alive. It means they are barren. Yes. They are barren. Yes. Watch young ladies. Before they get a beloved, before they get married, watch them. Copious in dressing. Moving, if, if you, even when the person is, is walking and moving, it's like, it's like an invitation. It's like, I'm ready. You are welcome. I'm inviting you. Watch their hair. And compare them with those who have seen, done, accomplished, finished. You see, they don't care about anything anymore. <laughs> you see, they don't care about anything anymore. Either whether that is how, that is how they are biologically or whatever, I, I don't know. But you see, the person switches off. The person doesn't even look attractive. The beauty, the beauty of that person perhaps will be in character if she has one. But attraction? Attraction? No. Inviting? No. Most likely she's menopausal. No, no, no. Understand my point. Understand. I'm not doing men versus women here. Anyway. Most times, you see, but a menopausal person is a barren person. There's no, there's therefore no interest to attract a seed. I don't need a seed. I don't want a seed. I don't want to grow a seed. I don't want to give birth. And the processes that go with it, I don't want it. And therefore, psychologically, the person is affected in a certain way. The person becomes indifferent towards a lot of things. Compared to a 22 or a 21-year-old girl who is now coming with hope, expectation, zeal, readiness, eagerness. I must do it. I must plant a church. I must build a church. I want pregnancy. Ooh. I want a wedding. A girl with a wedding. Interesting. I, it's like I, I must have the wedding. She's a different person. She's a different person. Like I, like, like I said to me the other day, I pastor youth. 
and I have a lot of young girls. When I see them, and I see the older people, I see the difference. I see the difference. See, when, when you see young, younger people, I'm, I'm not even talking about spirituality. Just their life of, I need a beloved. I want a beloved. I would like to have a wedding. I, I mean, look, the effort and the readiness and the it's like, I am ready. If it's today, I am ready. Yes. When you compare to the other set. When you see them, you see they are Christians. But you can say they've been around. They've been around. Even, even if they are not menopause, it's like the eggs we have now, we don't want to use anymore. If like preach them and say that, receive babies, they'll say, God forbid. Go to the other side, they'll say, I receive it. So I'm saying that the dullness in ministry things is a reflection of barrenness. No more interest. No more interest. No more interest. A lady who has lost her husband after she's had her children, everything has lost her husband. It's different from a guy who has lost his wife. Even if he's a 17 child, they're two different people. Because the man still feels that I can have another family. I can. I'm ready. <laughs> I can do it. I can do it. But the lady will be thinking, if you go and ask her, would you like to marry again? She'll say, what? What? Would I like to do what? To go and do that thing again. She say, I'm tired. I can't be a nurse. I'm tired. I can't be a nurse. I can't be a maid. I'm, I'm tired. To go and, do, go, go and do that thing again. Every night, I'll be told, are you there? I'm not there. I'm not there. I want to sleep in peace. you see that when their husbands travel, it's like a party. Or when they are, when they are away from their husband, they don't, they, they don't even care. But before, the same person, hey, I'm going to where he is. I'm going because she hasn't finished her project. She needs three children. She's done two. So she's going to collect the third one. After that, when she has finished her selfish dreams, she doesn't even care. She doesn't care what he eats. Doesn't care how he has sex. Doesn't, doesn't even care. Can't, can't even relate to him. Well, sleep. Sleep. Huh, what? 
go and sleep. You even tell if you go and sleep with somebody, you will lose your anointing. Me, I'm, I'm out. You think about anointing and be holy. But before then, you should see. You should see. She has no eyebrows. But you see, suddenly eyebrows have appeared on her forehead. Usually they take it higher. Forehead. Forehead. Forehead eyebrows. The ones that when you see her, she doesn't have to say anything, but just her face alone is like saying, Hello. I'm here. The eyebrow, the eyebrows are high. Effort. Effort. But see the same person. When barrenness hits. Yeah, forehead is like, like the eyebrows are like Sahara Desert. She doesn't even care. Whether the eyebrows are bald, whether her face is bald or not, she doesn't care. She doesn't care. Bold eyebrows. She doesn't care. Doesn't care. Doesn't care. No interest. Dullness. Dullness. Zero interest. No effort. Doesn't even care about her weight. The same person before. She doesn't eat after 7 p.m. She only eats M and S sandwiches for lunch with green tea to keep her tummy flat like a lizard. When you see her coming, lizardo, lizardo, M and S sandwich, bacon and chicken sandwich with green tea. If you make the mistake of going out with such a person in a restaurant to eat, you feel embarrassed. When your steak comes, she will ask for green tea. She says, can I have green tea and sparkling water with ice and lemon? But when she is done and you are going out, you say, which restaurant should we go to? She'll say, oh, 805. 805. Do you know 805? That's why you will get the bowl of carbohydrates with soup. You'll say, oh, but look at the time. It's 11 p.m. She'll say, who cares? 11 Midnight, 1 a.m. Bring it on. That's when you see the husband walking like, walking like an impala in front of her. Impala. Like that. And then she's coming behind like a hippo. or no shape, mission accomplished. That's what you see. Coca-Cola bottle turning into Coca-Cola can. 
it has metamorphosized it's called mission accomplished I'm done I'm done if you don't like it hey this is how it is this is how it's going to be you better get used to it that's why you'll see a bass guitar becoming a bass drum <laughs> sit down before the sisters start throwing stones at me <laughs> Have you seen Coca-Cola bottles shrinking before? <laughs> See, it's changed. It's changed. But before, when she passes by, you will tend to look. And when you tend to look, you will hear the sounds. To whom, to, to whom for? To whom does it belong to? To whom to? To whom for? To whom does it belong to? To whom to? To whom for? To whom does it belong to? You want who who owns that thing? I like it. I like it. Before downness came. Before downness came. Before downness came. You say outreach, I'm there. Missions, I'll go. Prayer meetings, I'll be there. I'll lead it. I'll lead it. I'll lead it. Holy Holy Ghost baptism, I'll conduct it. I'm there. Anything, I'm there. All night prayer, I'll be there. I'll be there. Church planting, I can do. When the downers come, even offering us offering. I can give. I'll give. Oh, I'll give. Why not? I'll give. Well, you see, when downness comes, offering. You'll be whispering to the person that say, "What language is he speaking? What language is he speaking? What did he say? What, was he? what did he say? What did he say?" Look, sit down. Yes. Now, barrenness in the church. If there's no growth in the number of your church members, if there's no growth in church attendance, if there is no growth in the number of full-time staff, if there's no baptism, no growth in the number of people baptized, these are important numbers. If there's the absence of healings and miracles, he says, barrenness in that. Was Jesus not doing healings and miracles? Mm-hmm. You must have healing services. Healing services. Yes. I challenge every pastor here to have salvation night. Not just, not just different from the conventions we have where we pour oil and we blow air. 
That's different. That is good. I'm talking, I said salvation night. That you are standing there. The name, the name is salvation night. Salvation service. Where you are standing there and you are preaching pure gospel to be born again. We have a book. If you don't know how to preach salvation, there's a book here. When you get the library, it's in. Can you see the size of it? How you can preach salvation. How you can preach salvation. 110 messages here. It's very easy. It's very easy. Four Sundays ago, I preached a message, come. It's called, we had a salvation service. I just took this book. The title of the message was, come. I preached for me a beautiful message. Beautiful message, come. How to preach salvation. It will help you. You don't need to do anything. All you need to do is to pray for the souls to come. When they come, there's a message here to pray. You choose anything. I just saw one, it's called without. I mean, steps to salvation through the blood of Jesus. The story of the cross. God sent not his son to condemn the world. The prodigal son. Greater love. You, you won't struggle. But have salvation service. At the end, make an altar call for salvation. Not for breakthrough. For salvation. For souls to be saved. For souls to be, have that said, they, they like be one of the services you have, one of the programs you have for salvation. That people should come and give their lives to Christ. Tell your members to invite people. Tell them one member, two souls. One member, two souls. Bring people to church and have a salvation service and preach pure salvation, pure gospel, pure gospel, and make an altar call. And then when you finish. Say it's announced. Say it into the mic- microphone. Don't make it like it's accidental. Announce. It's time for miracles. It's time for miracles. You are here. You are not well in any part of your body. It came with a sickness and a disease. Lay your hands there. We are going to pray. God will heal you today. God will save you today. Have salvation with miracles in your church. Different from conventions. Where you have oil. This night, no oil. Don't touch oil. Souls, harvest the souls. And then when you finish, miracles, signs. Otherwise, there's barrenness in the church. And we have deviated from what Christ showed us. And from who Christ is. How many of you are going to fight barrenness in your, in your church? Go to fight it. Go to fight it. Yes.
God in the house of God. Let's stand to our feet and pray. Father, thank you for this blessed time. Thank you for your spirit, Lord, that rests upon us, Lord, for church growth, for church planting, to overcome barrenness. I curse every spirit of barrenness. I bind the spirit of barrenness, Lord. Thank you for fruitfulness. Thank you for increase. And thank you for expansion. In Christ Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Take your seats for two minutes, please. Please remain seated.